0: To the Making Laps Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason, and this time I actually have a co host. With me this time is Phil Jakes. Phil is a former sportsman competitor. Can I say that? Yeah. Former sportsman competitor um, and aspiring driver, again, because he's not currently racing. Uh, Give the people out there a little bit of what you've been doing uh, in your racing career.
1: Uh, I started out, I, I was down in Florida from about 2000 until 2010. I started out doing a little bit of drag racing. I lived in Florida from about 2000 to about 2010. I did a bunch of drag racing down there, some uh, SCCA stuff, uh, some go-karts. In about 2010, I decided to move up here uh, because I grew up here originally, uh, right down the road actually from Thompson Speedway, and I moved up here because I wanted to race there. Um, Moved up here, kind of met a few people, got, got together with Bill McNeil, Joe Brockett, Um, in 2015, we built a car, came out, ran three races, had some fun, came back in 2016 and we were fast. We had a good time with it. So, um, unfortunately things came to a head financially and I had to sell out. Why don't we all? Yeah. Uh, it happens. Life gets in the way, but, uh, it's kind of where I ended up. Uh, I started building another car and once again, life got in the way and that's where I am today.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, What are some of your accomplishments that you can share out there with the folks?
1: 2016 uh, was pretty much the best year I've had in racing. Um, Won two races, won the World Series, the final race of the year. Um, Had a couple top fives, good runs, top five in points. Not bad for a rookie year. Um, Had a little bit of mild success at Stafford the next year. Uh, running in a dare stock for Mike Barr in the number 57. Uh, But aside from that, that's pretty much it.
0: Cool. Any success in your drag racing career? (laughs) Just a fun thing to do?
1: Yeah, just kind of screwing around with some street cars, having some fun, maybe crashed one. Uh,
0: I thought your parents weren't supposed to know about that.
1: uh, I can neither confirm nor deny.
0: Well, crash doesn't have to be severe.
1: Well, it might have been.
0: Well, I mean, it is what it is, right? (laughs) Anyway, anybody who's listened to this podcast for uh, the last two episodes, or at least the first two episodes, will notice that the sound quality is a heck of a lot better, because I actually finally got around to upgrading the microphone system and soundboard system. Everything finally came in from Amazon, so we were finally, finally able to do something about it. Um and, again, I finally got a co-host in here to sit in on an episode, and what a episode we have for you, given the news that we had this past week, actually yesterday, as of what time we are recording this. Um, so, without further ado, let's get on into lap number one. For lap number one this week, we had big news come out of Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park here in Connecticut. This, it's probably the biggest news in New England racing right now. Um, especially southeastern uh, New England, Uh, Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park dropped an email, and I actually received a letter today in the mail stating that they would be going down to six races for a schedule, which, let's be honest, for that place, we're not really that surprised by. Which, for six races, like I said, we're not really that surprised by it, but The people who've been involved in this track for a long period of time have kind of seen the writing on the wall for a long time. We've all seen who's taken over the control of the speedway and what the racing has become. And I don't think a lot of people close to the track are really surprised by anything coming out of this right now. So getting into it, they said six races— all mostly wednesday shows except for the two big shows the icebreaker and the world series will be weekend shows and they i mean i can't even come up with words to describe how i got i got to be honest insulted i am at the purse structure at the schedule at the timing i mean it's it's all incredibly it reeks of some kind of sinister motive. I mean, what, what's your opinion on this, Phil?
1: My biggest thing right off the bat is the fact that it's Wednesdays. Mm. After they stood there at the World Series preaching, everything's going to be Sundays.
0: Not even, not even at the World Series. Like during the mid-season. I remember sitting in there It's summertime right. and Terry Ames, who I don't feel is behind this at all. To be honest with you, I really don't. No. I'm not. I'm not gonna act like this is his fault. I don't like. He was saying, okay, we really want to go to ten races or stay with ten races, and we want to try to get it all on Sundays to try to get people here because Sunday is a day off. People want to come. Technology has improved to the point where people have DVRs everywhere. I know I do, even though I have internet-based TV, so I could record the race and and go to the track on Sunday and watch the you know the Cup race because that was the main concern of promoters for a long period of time. Right. So, I mean, so for them to come out, like, right before New Year's, after people have been begging for a schedule and hoping for a good schedule like they were promised, is is pretty devastating. And uh, as we get into, like I said, the paperwork and, and all the stuff they sent us, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I can't help but feel like... um it's it's difficult to put into words, but it it almost makes it feel like they're trying to make this the racer's fault.
1: That's exactly what I'm saying out of it. Like, you know, oh, go ahead. Read between the lines kind of feels like there's an underlying motive here.
0: Yeah, I, I as I sat in driver's meetings and would sit and listen to people talk from upper management from the track, they're like, we need to f- get more people in the stands, we need to do this, we need to do that and i'm thinking to myself i'm like wait a minute when did this become our responsibility as racers we can only bring so many people and we can only put on such a good enough of a good show that will attract people to come to the track but like how are now we responsible for bringing everybody in i mean like i said people who know us personally are going to be the ones to show up but i'm not bringing a thousand people as a sportsman competitor right you know, I'm not. I can't go out there and advertise for the speedway to bring fans in. I don't control the concessions prices because that's a big concern for someone who has family. You know, like I, I made a point of, I made one point, just one point, and that was, hey, why are you charging eight dollars for a cheeseburger? I mean, the families that come there, they're not going to pay that. There's plenty of other racetracks around this area that don't do that. I mean, you go to New York, as a good example, you go to Lebanon Valley, I got in there for 20 bucks
1: and got fed. Well, and I think you know, I think a lot of the thing with the concession is they hired a third party to come in. I think it's Spectra or Spectrum or something.
0: My problem with that is, as a speedway, like when you run a track and you have full control over who comes in and who's your concessions people and who sets prices, you should be involved in the pricing. You know, you should know that these people are charging them $8 for a cheeseburger or five bucks for a hot dog or whatever the hell the price is. I don't even pay attention to it. Like, can't you step in and say, well, you guys are overcharging the hell out of our competitors and our fans?
1: Quite honestly, I think they're doing that to skim off the top.
0: (laughs) I mean, they do. That's the whole thing, though. When you run a racetrack, if you have somebody else come in and do your concessions for you, you get a percentage of it. Absolutely. Absolutely but I don't see the point in charging $8 for a cheeseburger.
1: No, not at <laughs> all. No, that's a I little mean, excessive.
0: I mean, those are crack prices. I mean, this uh, it drove me to bring my own cheeseburgers. I would set a damn grill up in the pit, and I would grill my own food. And they're better. And they were better Um, because I could bring what I want. I'm not paying the track $8 for a cheeseburger. If I raced at Lebanon Valley Speedway in New York, I would pay them 2 bucks for a burger. Absolutely. Again, this is only one real like point. It's one food item at one concession stand, but it's it's kind of representative of the whole idea, you know? It tells you that they're not being as forthcoming as they probably should be with how much they have control over right you know i remember back a a long time ago when do you remember when you i don't even know if you were up here at the time but at the golf course the equipment shed or equipment garage burned down
1: no i wasn't here for that
0: and they raised the price of the world series pit ticket i think by 25 dollars to cover the cost of rebuilding that on their property. I think that's what they said. It's all one contiguous property. We got to try to get that rebuilt. I don't know why they didn't have like they didn't have it rebuilt from insurance, but right. I don't run the track.
1: But that cost never came back down. In fact, it went up from that. I've always wondered where the I mean, for 3 days at the World Series Technically, 75 bucks in the pits is 25 bucks a day. It's really not bad. It's not terrible, especially but, for how many
0: cars are there and how many purses they have to cover and how much insurance they got to cover and all that stuff. I get that, and it's a huge show, but it doesn't it, need to be that it high. It really doesn't need to be that high. I mean, I know we're not running a racetrack. We are competitors. We see this from a competitor's point of view. I personally have been doing this for 20 years. I've had a lot of contact with people in upper-level management I've seen a lot of people come and go from the racing business. I've paid a lot of money to do what I do. But again, a lot of the costs that are associated with what we do, I don't really understand. And I think it's time we we start looking into this, this document a little bit more instead of getting off on a tangent about like, well, one cheeseburgers. Other, I, I, you can tell I'm hungry. I'm talking about cheeseburgers.
1: Yeah, one other thing going back to what you were saying about advertising anybody who doesn't know me, I grew up in Webster, Massachusetts uh, before I moved to Florida then when I came back I lived in Dudley, Massachusetts they're two neighboring towns of Thompson, Connecticut um, just over the line in Massachusetts um, I've also lived in Southbridge and Oxford and in Douglas and it astonishes me constantly the number of people who don't know the oval track still operates.
0: Yes. Thank you for getting us back on track because that's what I really needed to talk about. What I was talking about before about us being responsible for bringing cars in. I don't see the track advertising past social media. Right. I live within the target audience area. I live what? 35 minutes from the track. Is it that 35, 40 minutes roughly about that? Yeah. That's your target audience. Anything within an hour to even two hours away, because I'll drive two hours to New York. I don't care. I love going there. Right. But I don't see anything in the newspaper.
1: No, not at all. Especially, I mean, Worcester, Massachusetts has a telegram that when I was a kid, I used to open up the newspaper and look and see where Larry Barnett finished and where Scott Sundine finished. These days, you don't see any of that. I mean, in all fairness, they do advertise on the radio a little bit when there's bigger events coming, uh, like the Icebreaker, the World Series, the Bud 150, but rarely do you, there's no community involvement. There's, there's nothing. And I think
0: you can attribute some of that blame to the racers for not taking their cars to a car show and bringing pamphlets, but if that's the only means of having advertisement for an event that you're going to have at your racetrack, then that's pretty poor. I like I said, I live in the Target area, but if you and we're recording this in my kitchen and you can see the refrigerator from here, and I have a article from my last win sitting on that fridge. Can you see it? Yeah, I can. Really? Because it's so small that I can't. <laughs> like local newspapers and this blurb was so hidden far deep in the reaches of the newspaper that you can't tell where it is. I mean, you gotta look for it. Like there, it is. It's the size of the palm of my
1: hand. That's a lot more of an article than I got for winning the World Series in 2016. I literally got one sentence underneath Doug Kobe, and I think Jimmy Johnson won the. T- who won the title in 2016 in the Cup Series? I think it was Jimmy. I can't remember. Th- there was I someone really won care. a race that day, and ever that's s- all that was there. Ever since they went to a playoff format, I have not
0: cared about a single champion in Cup. But yeah, <laughs> but one
1: one sentence is all you get. As a local racer from your town in the local community. Well, Mark, our
0: local reporter, he likes me, so he (laughs) he gave me a little bit of a paragraph there. But, again, it's not only the coverage dying out, but it's also the advertisements. I mean, I remember being a kid and looking in the paper, and I would see color advertisements in the sports section for the the Speed Bowl. And I'd be like, Dad, we got to go to the Speed Bowl this weekend. And of course, that was like the early mid '90s, and I—that was just the golden era. Even if it was the back page <laughs> of
1: the sports section, it was there.
0: Yeah, as long as it was there, I was going to see it. But I don't hear anything on the radio. I don't hear any. I don't see anything in the paper. Social media only reaches so many people. It right. only reaches the people who like it, and then see it.
1: Well, and there's also a generation that don't use social media. Mm-hmm. So there's m-
0: people that are younger than like my mom's age. Like, but the generational gap between me and her that still don't. Yeah. They don't have a cell phone either. It's just like, I don't care. You know, so it's like, well, how the hell are you going to see it? I mean, what are you going to do about it? You know, word of mouth? Word of mouth only travels so far.
1: Right. Well, and the I mean, other thing, like I said, community involvement. Yeah. The, everybody has Memorial Day parades around that area. Why not have a few guys? I would have willingly taken my car, spent my own money, driven down the street of Main Street, Bring the pace car out. Bring out a modified. Bring out a late model, street stock, whatever. Get eyes on the product. Yeah. That's a big thing.
0: I think that goes down to whoever's working PR for the racetrack. They could give somebody at least a little bit of word. It's like, hey, I need volunteers. Right. Send an email out. I'd gladly go take my car to the local car show at the hot dog stand right around the corner. Send me a few pamphlets. I'll stick them on the hood of my car.
1: 2016, I think, was the last time I remember them doing anything like that. And they asked me... Uh, to go do Thompson Community Day, and I displayed my car, and I think I saw seven or eight people stop and look at the car. Yeah, which is kind of sad, but... But I there mean, was maybe 30 or 40 people total at the entire event, so... I mean, at least they asked you to do something. Yeah. You know? But anyway, getting back to the schedule
0: and the paperwork that was sent to us, they said that if we... Let's see... It's like, oh, well, motorsports is much different than it was 15, 20 years ago, low fan counts, increasing expenses. There's a fun part. Increasing expenses. Aren't they the ones who make the rules? Yeah. Shouldn't they be a little bit more connected to the racers and how much they actually spend? If you look at Stafford Motor Speedway, Paul and David Arute race cars. Exactly. If there was any bias, they'd be winning races all the time. Well, and I But obviously there's not, so I'm giving them a little bit of credit— But they did it because they wanted to know how much the guys are going to spend on their cars. And I said, you know what? That's incredibly admirable, which is something that I would like to do. And I'm glad that they don't get a lot of crap for it. You know what I mean? I'm sure they did when they were like racing dare stocks. What are they, sportsmen now? Or street stocks? Street stocks. I don't even know what they call them. But whatever it is, they do a good job. I'm not crapping on Stafford. But at least they're out there Doing something about expenses. What's Thompson done? Not a whole lot. They tried to institute a crate engine policy, which cost me about five grand to switch over instead of using what I had.
1: See, I, I have <laughs> mi- mixed feelings on the crate engine. I'm not going.
0: I'm not going to go completely into the crate engine deal because, <laughs> for the long run, I think it's a good idea. I think there's a lot of people with mixed feelings on crate engines. That's going to be a completely different episode because I have a lot of in, of uh, opinion and insight onto that because I've actually done both. But again, that's a, an issue for another, another day. But like I said, increasing expenses, whenever they do a rule change, it's almost like they just kind of piggyback off of the rules that other people make. Like when they did the SKs and they went to the spec engines and such, they just piggybacked right off of Stafford. They didn't do any sort of independent research on that. Right. But I mean, since somebody did it, at least they did it. You know what I mean? They they latched onto it. They moved forward. For our cars and for lower divisions, no. I don't I don't see anything. Like when I raced a mini stock, there was at least a couple cars spending ten thousand dollars an engine for their cars. Ten thousand dollars for a four cylinder that wins what, a hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks? Right. Can you imagine that? I mean, for the amount of money I spent, I probably spent more than that because I blew up all of mine. But that's my own stupid fault (laughs) for buying crappy engines. But like I said, I know that there's a lot of tech guys that are working hard to try to get the cost down, especially from the $10,000 mini stock project. Right. But it's a long-term deal. And... Yeah, there's increasing costs in racing, but you got to be a lot more proactive. You know what I mean? And you got to be a lot more connected to the racers. You got to listen to them because they're the ones spending the money on the cars. They are the show. If they don't show up, you don't have anything, right? So, anyway, I mean, I, if I could complain about fuel costs and tire costs, I mean, that's just gonna it's it's gonna happen eventually. But with with you know the crate engines and Whatever they're doing in the future, hopefully that'll bring it down because it'll rely less on fuel costs and such like that. Anyway, it says if uh, let's see, going further into the paperwork, it says low counts, increasing expenses, continued losses on the on the NASCAR Weekly Series events, which let's be honest, they're not weekly, so don't say it. But <laughs> put us in a position where we need to take some, or make some significant changes in order to continue the legacy. Of old track racing at Thompson into the next generation. I was it 2012? They put the new track in to track the new motorsports customer, which I don't really disagree with. I mean, no, do you, do you really disagree with putting in the road course again? Absolutely not. It's no, a I great
1: don't... business dis- decision
0: in my eyes. Diversification is the heart of improving your business in some ways. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not that big of a businessman, but I know that if you can diversify your business, you'll make more money if you do it right. Right. And credit where it's due, putting in the road course is a good use of of uh, diversification. I mean, right. you, you bring in a whole new customer and instead of having, you know, 20 weekends a year where you have an event, now it's like I don't know when they start March or April.
1: I think I counted something like until, 42 events until
0: like November. It's They have something going almost every single week. There's rarely a day off. If you ever look at the calendar, it's crazy.
1: Right. I think but, I counted like 42 bigger events and then little ones here and there, their exotic driving deal that they have going on. I stopped by the track earlier. They had, the truck was there today. Yeah, and we've had
0: um, – they they dabbled when Josh was there. They dabbled in having like circle track cars running special events on the road course. And right. i got to be honest, it was – the most fun I've had in a race car. I wanted to do it so bad. I'm glad I got the chance to do it, even though I broke a transmission and a rear end and cost a lot of money to my dad. But, I mean, he put me in the car, so that's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks to Larry Barnett for loaning us a rear end. But, um, so anyway, moving forward, yeah, I mean, I agree with them here. It offset the decline in losses incurred in the weekly shows, et cetera, et cetera. My whole problem is, is... How many losses could they be incurring? Uh, again, this is my ignorance talking. I, I'm I'm not going to claim to know everything. I'm going to be completely ignorant. But when you've got weekly tracks around here that are actually doing well, like look at Seaconk, They just finished a whole bunch of improvements. They have enough money to do improvements. They have enough money to, to bring NASCAR in. I mean, right. they, they brought NASCAR back. You look at Stafford, their grandstands are packed. For weekly shows. I mean, what are they doing wrong? Nothing. Right. So when you have a track like Thompson that's been around for next year is going to be 80 years. Right. What are, I mean, what's going on? You know what I mean? It's a a very difficult question to ask, especially of a facility that has, as far as I know, from what I've been told by people who are very close to the family that owns the racetrack. And I absolutely am not going to name them or their position. But as far as I know, they haven't had a mortgage on that facility for how long? I can't even tell you. It's probably been a few decades. You know what I mean? They probably, I don't know. Again, I don't know the financial situation for that. But I know that they don't have a mortgage on that facility. And I've been told that by many people who are very close to the family. Right. And for them to come out and say, "Well, oh, it needs new surface. It needs," which I don't agree with. I think the surface is fine because I race on it. I think it's fine. I, I think that's all malarkey. The
1: the only thing I would complain about is a couple dips here and there. But that's they've it, it always gives it been, character.
0: They've always been there, and I love them. Yeah, the dip coming out of two. Don't <laughs> don't exit low if you don't want to hit the dip. <laughs> I love running the high side around turn two because I don't hit the dip and I don't fly out towards the wall.
1: I got a couple videos on YouTube where I hit that dip trying to pass someone on the low side and get a run down the backstretch and I am pointing towards the infield. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Just imagine racing there, hitting the dip when they didn't have
0: the backstretch gate. When they had the wall. Didn't Steve Barrett hit that? Steve might have got it. Um, I just remember my brother racing there early days when they used to have the old pit wall jut out and the old no wall in the backstretch. Oh, that was yeah. sketchy. But, I mean, don't don't race if you're afraid. Right. But, like I said, I don't think it needs to be repaved. It's fine. I mean, how long has it been since Waterford's been repaved? They're still racing on it. It's a great track. Absolutely. You don't need to repave Waterford. Fill the cracks and send it. But, again, I think that's just an excuse. Um, They've done a lot of, exp- like, how could they afford to upgrade the lighting and stuff if they weren't making money?
1: Right. No, I how much, I agree with how that. How much did that cost? It's all Musco lighting, if it's I remember correctly. six so.
0: figures. Uh, easily. Yeah, six figures. They're making money. From what I was told, and again, I'm just showing my ignorance. You, nobody has to listen to me on this. But from what I was told by somebody, again, really close to the family, uh, they make enough money in World Series weekend alone to pay for Everything at the racetrack for the whole year.
1: I did some quick math yesterday having a conversation with someone and figuring on I believe that place since they've removed the pit grandstands into turn one, uh I believe it probably holds somewhere around eleven thousand people. And for World Series weekend, they have to be clearing a million dollars through the front gate. Just the front gate, not Just even the, the back front gate, gate, right?
0: Right. Jeez.
1: I mean, that has probably changed
0: a lot since they, they changed the track over to be a road course because I'd heard that before they put the road course in. I needed to add that in. but And I know we're going to probably get a lot of hate messages about us talking about money, about the racetrack. You don't run the racetrack. What do you know? I know that. Right. I just know enough people close to the people involved that I have a lot of doubts that I need to air out. And I'm not saying don't race at this facility. Trust me, we're just kind of we're just airing our grievances as car owners and drivers, people who've been involved in the sport for a long time, who have a genuine stake and a genuine um, investment in the sport. Race cars are not cheap. We race what? What division is our NASCAR division? Four now?
1: I think it's still Division Three.
0: I thought that SK Lights took three. Because it goes uh, SKs, late models. Then I thought SK Lights, because I think Stafford did that. And then I think Thompson followed suit so that he would get points.
1: I'd have to double check on that. I'm not 100% sure.
0: I'll just call it Division 4, because we never used to have SK Lights, and then they kind of took over. Right. Because Jesse finished second in Division 3 in 2012, before SK Lights came to Thompson. Anyway, I'm rambling. But for us to run these cars, I mean... It's a huge investment. I mean, I could easily put a number like, I don't really want to do it with my wife sitting next to me. <laughs> but. I have a good idea. People could put at least, well, since 2015, I could probably put a number of 20 to 30,000 on a car I already owned. You know what I mean? Right. She's looking at me really bad. I need another drink. Um, but that, that could be a hell of a lot more for other people. Like I said, when you look at the racers, they are the investors of your business. They bring the people in. They give you the show that you're selling. Right. We're the entertainers. We are the entertainers and we work for literal peanuts. And if you've seen this, and I try to run a clean show, which without swearing, but this effing purse structure that they've released is probably the most insulting thing I've ever seen come out of a racetrack in this area in my whole life. I'm not kidding. They cut the purse structure down by 75%. And you, 75.
1: You know, for for us in the limited sportsman division, I think the payout was 500 Five hundred Plus bonuses at the World Series, I won close to $1,000 worth of stuff. Yeah, back when um,
0: oh geez, what's her name Bouchard? Yes, back Olivia. when Olivia was working for PR and stuff, we would get killer bonuses. Like Absolutely. she would have a she had a division sponsor, Extra Mart. Extra Mart. Yeah, we'll give them free advertising because they sponsored a division. Because I got a bunch of envelopes from them with money in it for finishing good or bad. I would actually win the the random draw. But I think when I won my first race, I ended up getting. Got it, and like five hundred bucks plus another hundred and fifty from Extra Mart or something, something like it's that. Like I walk out of there with seven hundred and fifty bucks for a Sportsman win.
1: Well, and Duraflex would put something in here and oh there. yeah, that's
0: right. And then they'd give you fifty bucks for Duraflex certificates and stuff. Uh, yeah, I had a couple
1: of those. New England Racing Fuels would give you, I think, a twenty-five dollar gift certificate once in a while. Right.
0: So for us to race a Division for NASCAR division. For us to walk out of there with a trophy and like $750 plus incentives
1: right. was awesome. Now, that's enough to cover tires and fuel for the next event. If you Even wanted more to, than that. Yeah, if you wanted to buy four brand new tires, which in the Limited sportsmans you don't need them every race. You could literally, with that much money,
0: buy four new tires for the event, plus pay your entry and your fuel to get to the track plus gas for the race car and have a hundred bucks left over. Yeah. Now with the purse structure that they gave us for 2020, it's not even worth looking at. It's like a it's a slap in the face. Like we're bringing you the show. You used to pay us 500 bucks. You're claiming you're losing money, but you paid off of a $4 million loan in three years. You're not losing money. And then you slap us in the face by saying, by the way, you used to get paid 500 bucks. Now you get 175 SK guys, guess what? You used to get paid 1400 bucks plus incentives. Now you get 425
1: I think that's the most insulting that one is. of all. That's ridiculous. They're the show. They're what everybody comes to that track to see. That's ridiculous, though. It's ridiculous. I could see
0: them. And they only pay the top 10. What's this, an X-Car show at Waterford? Yeah, right. They used to pay that much. Trust me, I used to race them.
1: (laughs) They used to pay only the top 10. See, I would be okay cutting the purse. I understand that sometimes you need to cut the purse or or cut some costs here and there to to get ahead. Yeah, I mean, we
0: we can play devil's advocate, you know, for all day and say, well, you know, if they get rid of NASCAR, then they won't have that expense. And if they cut the purse, then they won't have that. And we can keep racing. But again, I don't see that they're losing that much money. No. At all to even make any changes like this. Right. I don't. I'd be cool they if could, the- they could completely shut me up by releasing a financial report. Yeah. But given what I've been told by people very close to the family again I'm not convinced because I don't think these people actually give a damn about running the the oval track. The old man, Uncle Donald he Cared about the oval track. Absolutely. Because that was his bread and butter.
1: I believe when DR the... cared as well. I don't get that feeling, though. I no. think he
0: cared enough to keep it going, but I don't think that was really his MO. I think
1: his, his thing was the golf course.
0: He probably, Yeah, I think that was his deal. I think he cared a lot about that, which that's fine. No, absolutely. No, go run the golf course. That's cool. That's a good money maker. I like golf. I've been out on that course. I like golf. I haven't been there yet. But... To to really kill the purse like this, I mean, you can't be losing that much money where you have to take that much out of the purse. The back gate alone will pay your purse plus profit, especially when you bring in 20 cars every single division plus in. Right. I, I, I like to stick around my division because it's a good representative, but we would pull an average of 20 plus cars every week. The highest we pulled was 30 plus, I think it was 35, 36 last or this year. The lowest we got was like 17. Yeah, so it averages out. Something like that. It averages out. And that was one race where we pulled teens. And we, so every week we're pulling 20 cars. You got to figure with 20 cars, you're going to bring what, between five and 10 people per car to go help out. Even me, I had five or 10 people in the pit every week.
1: Right. I would say probably five or seven. Right. I wouldn't go ten just because there are some teams that have oh, one, I mean, one mo- or
0: two. Let's be fair. Modified teams pull enough to make to make up for it. Absolutely. <laughs> they have to have crews. Late model teams, too. They have a lot of people. Yep. But, I mean, to when you pull the, that much money out of the purse, and they didn't have a lot allocated for the purse to begin with. You know what I mean? What was it for all five divisions what was it less than twenty something thousand dollars? you'll see that in the back gate easy
1: yeah i would I would agree with that and then some
0: i I can't honestly like i said're we're, we're being very opinionated and we're not really playing devil's advocate as much as I want because of my alcoholic beverages that I've been drinking <laughs> but I just can't see them losing that much money. Especially I, when they've paid the loan off that fast and especially when they cry poverty and then go buy a car dealership. I would be the first one to... I didn't bring that up, did I?
1: No. Oh, okay. I would be the first one to, to say I'm wrong if they could show us the financials and prove us Oh, I have no problem wrong, being wrong. I have no issue being wrong at all. The support I've seen that track have, even through what they've gone through in the past, I don't know, what, six years? Cutting the schedule kind of giving us the shaft and, and favoring the road course, in, in my opinion.
0: Well, they I know that they have to favor the road course because it's a much bigger moneymaker. I understand that. Is it, one? Though? Yes. Yes. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listen to Dinner with Racers, which everybody should listen to. If you listen to podcasts, don't be exclusive. Listen to a lot of them. But they talked just recently. They released three episodes on Virginia International Raceway. Yeah and how they revamped that place and, and rebuilt it to what it is today. They, they could have been a club track, but they hosted pro events because they wanted to diversify the schedule and bring a lot more money in. So it's like, well, yeah, they're going to bring a lot of money in, especially when they said rentals are their bread and butter. They make a lot of money doing this. So it's like, yeah, I don't blame Thompson. Again, I know we touched on this earlier, but I don't blame them in any way for bringing in the road course and doing all that stuff. I just really don't agree with the fact that they're losing money to shut us down. Again, it all boils down to their lack of advertising for the oval, their lack of effort put into cutting costs and costs does in the, like pit, pit road fees, gate fees, food, you know, those are all costs.
1: We have to incur those costs to get in there and do what we do. Even our registration fees at the beginning of the year. $35 a car times how many cars?
0: Yeah, $35. Registration fee. Payment must accompany this form. I'm reading it right off the top. $35. I remember racing there when they weren't
1: complaining about losing money when we didn't have to pay anything. You know what? Honestly... And this isn't a knock on Stafford. Thompson's actually cheaper than Stafford. Stafford's 50 bucks for registration.
0: Well, there's a lot of different um, opinions on the registration fees. People will say, well, it makes sure you're serious.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. And I prob- they probably take the money and they
0: put it in the point fund or something like that. And I'm, I, I don't disagree with that at all.
1: They could put it into the point fund. It could go towards the insurances that they have to pay for. If- for the track and for NASCAR sanctions. Right. The, There's a lot of reasons for it. I I don't complain about it at all. Right. You know, it is what it is.
0: I don't necessarily like a registration fee, but I don't really disagree with it either. For years, they didn't have one. Right. That's the only reason I don't like it. And that's just a selfish reason. And I think everybody can be selfish once in a while. Absolutely. I mean, again, if I wanted to race there, I would pay the registration fee and not even really have a problem with it. Right. So, again, that's kind of a non-issue at this point. I don't think we really have to care about the registration fee, but what I do care about is this sentence right here. It says, these six NASCAR weekly racing series events will be running under a reduced purse structure, which you'll see on the following page, blah, blah, blah. We already, we already covered that in order to be able to continue hosting these events. We will need full support from you. Our valued competitors. We are asking for a response and commitment to this new structure before January 15, 2020. If we find that we are not getting the support and commitment in order to move forward with this new program, we will be forced to eliminate the NASCAR sanction and the NASCAR Weekly Series program entirely here at Thompson. We received this email yesterday. December 27th. When did the season end?
1: it was October 16th, 17th, somewhere in that range.
0: It usually is mid-October yeah. or second week of October. That was how many months ago? Two. Two? Two and a half. Three? Something like that? Not very Two good at math. Two to three months. There. That's good math. <laughs> but they were talking about schedule and working on it midsummer, Right? Right. If you're going to have six to ten races, how much work do you put in if you're really not making that many changes to the schedule? I mean, you're going to have the same people as last year. You're probably going to call the same touring divisions. You're probably going to call the same people. Oh, you're going to call the NASCAR tour. Okay, you're going to call PASS for their one race. You got to call the ACT for their one to two races. You got to call the VMRS for their what two or three races? I don't even know how many they have. You you only have to really talk to the touring divisions, and then you got to basically work that out with whatever you got scheduled for the road course. And a lot of those people, like the Tony's Track Days and the uh, exotic um, adventure, whatever they call it, exotic racing, exotic driving, exotic driving experience—is that what it is? Yeah they're probably not going to make a lot of changes to the days of the week that they're going to run. Right. So you got a really good idea of an outline of what you're going to run for the schedule. So for them to release it literally 20 days, I think. I'm not good at math. We've already established this. Before they need an answer. It's not fair. Where's the rule book? Another good point. Where's the rule book? Who's going to commit to racing at a racetrack? Without a rule book. Other tracks had theirs out during the season. Yeah. They get a meeting done with racers during the season they go out and pull all the drivers in the and during like I don't know practice sessions. Practice sessions or drivers meetings, or they just walk around independently and talk right. to them like our guy Joe. He walks around and talks to us. He writes stuff down. Absolutely. He wanted to make a big change with running nine inch rears
1: next year for the sportsmen. That's a big change. It is. And and honestly, Stafford did the same thing, and it would have brought the cars even closer there. Yeah. I was talking to a tech inspector
0: that works between both tracks who's who's worked that position for 20-plus years. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yep. And he said, yeah, we basically are going to have a meeting to talk about because they basically share the tech teams between Thompson and Waterford. Right. And so he's like, yeah, well, we're pretty optimistic that Waterford's going to open now that all the permits have passed. And that's what he told me. So he said, we got to have a meeting to make sure that all the rules basically comply so that every track can be similar. And I said, yeah, with Stafford being the way it is. And with, if Thompson doesn't get the response that they want by the 15th, which let's be honest, they probably didn't want a response by the 15th, but I'll get into that later. Then they're going to have to bring the rules even closer. To try to return, uh, fix the return on investment for the drivers and competitors.
1: Right. I mean, and to be fair, rules wise, Stafford and Thompson and Waterford all line up on the SK lights. Yep. Uh, the SKs, the late models are the same between Thompson and Waterford and Seconk, um, and that's pretty much where the similarities stop.
0: Yeah, I mean Stafford's on their own island with like late models and and. What are the other late models? The limited late models. Limited late models. I, I Both with, are great divisions. I forget what they are because there's five of them. Yeah. I saw them short. There was like 11 the last race, I think, right? For, like for the
1: limited late models. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's a good idea. I, I'm not going to get into it. You know what? This is a discussion for another day. I like Stafford. I can't poop on them too much. So, again, they put this out. It's basically an ultimatum. And I don't yeah. respond well to ultimatums. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Not I really at all. don't. I'm surprised my wife is still married to me because I gave her one when I when I first met her. I said it's if you ask me. Okay, folks, this is where you're gonna hate me. I might as well say it now. We were in the shower when you said this to me. Really? Yes. I, well, edit, edit that out. That's so, that's pretty that's seedy, isn't it? But anyway, I said, look, don't ask me to choose between me or the race car because you're gonna lose. And guess what I did. I sold my race car as soon as my kid was expected. So guess who really lost? You're soft.
1: (laughs) To be fair, I never asked.
0: No, you never did, but I knew. I never
1: asked. This is why I still don't have a new kitchen after six years of living in this house.
0: Well, that's why I'm stopping (laughs) racing. And I picked the right time to do it because Thompson gave me an ultimatum and said, if you don't respond by January 15th, we're going to shut down everything. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This just reeks of, it's a veiled threat, exactly. You you got no rule book out. You slash the purse to absolute nothing. We know you're making money. I'm not even like afraid to say that. You're just not making the money that you want on the oval track. You want to be able to turn a huge profit and you're just not getting it and you're pissed about it because you're not putting the work in then you give us an ultimatum saying, hey, you aren't filling the grandstands as much because you're not doing enough work. Here's a deadline for 20 days from now. If you don't do it, we're going to cut your program.
1: Yeah, I don't want to sound petty. I think we've already done that. I, think <laughs> I don't want to are... sound even more petty than I am. <laughs> um, but it sounds to me like they try and operate both as separate entities. Which is fine. I, I understand that. But I wonder also, has the Oval Tracks profits from like the World Series, the Icebreaker, Bud 150. You know they make good money through the front and back gate on those weekends. Trust me, I, you and I have both won races on huge weekends.
0: And the sea of people in front of you is almost intimidating when you're standing Absolutely. in victory lane. You, I- you won the World Series. I won the Bud 150. There's so many people there. It's like you know these people are making tons of money and it's going right into the track.
1: Well, and I wonder how much of the money from the oval has been moved over to the road course to pay off that. It's the same facility, so yeah, it's it's obviously
0: going to be going to everything. It's all one. I I think it's all one entity. It's all going into the same cash
1: drawer, right? Theoretically it should. Well, yeah. But they're trying to make it sound in my eyes like it's not. Right. And,
0: again, I just i I don't like the veiled threats. I don't like it. Right. And I especially don't like it when I've heard from numerous people very close to the family that the people in charge at the very, very top leave Terry Ames out of this. I don't defend the man very often, but I am right now. But the people at the very, very top, who have the last name of Honing, have not wanted the Oval Track. They're not interested. They're not. I don't don't think they are. Donald loved the oval track. Every every time I see him coming around in a golf cart when I'm at that racetrack, I shake his hand. Absolutely. Thank you. But the younger generation, I just don't see it. I don't see them loving the oval track. And that's sad because we see other oval tracks in the area prospering. We see Stafford prospering. We see Seekonk prospering. Hell, even Waterford, they're not even running races and they're doing better. They're getting all new stuff. Yep. (laughs) Yes, they're going to get it. I mean, once they pass the permits, they're going to get it. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to say anything until the day comes when the gates are closed. But, man, do we have anything else that we want to rant about about Thompson right now, or should we just shut that right down?
1: I'm just wondering, if Thompson does close, where do the competitors go?
0: Oh, they're going to go to Waterford and they're going to go to Stafford.
1: What about the act cars though? Waterford ACT historically cars, has not been a very big car for the a big count for the act cars cuz of Seaconk running on Saturdays. That's
0: tough because act cars are going to go to Seaconk and they're going to hit the tour or they're going to sell them.
1: I think Stafford has an opportunity here Stafford's for
0: Stafford's always had an opportunity for ACT cars and we know that they just aren't interested in them. To be honest though, I think they're really missing a big opportunity.
1: I think with the limited late models struggling the way they are, keep the limited late models. I like the division. It's a good it's division. It's great. But race them every other week and then take the the purse that you would use from the weeks that they're not running and have the act late model guys come there. It's still what is Stafford runs I think 20 or 22 races. You still run a getting lot of races. Yeah, they... You're still getting 10 races. It's a full Thompson schedule for the act cars. And it's somewhere new for these guys to go try out.
0: I honestly think they should just run them as late models and, and integrate the late, the current late models and the limited late models into one division and call it like outlaw sportsman.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think
0: that would be a cool division. Run give, them on 10 inch tires.
1: I wouldn't say 10 inch <laughs> tires. Give them, give them like the Hoosier F45 or something and give, give them a them wedge body cool. like they run down South. Give them something cool. I want to see
0: something cool. I if we're on, if we're gonna go on the subject of something cool, this is not really track dependent, but I want to see the sportsman uh, style division. I want to see them run mass rules, Mid Atlantic Street Stocks. They yeah, have, man. they have a race coming up at Dillon Motor Speedway on uh, New Year's, well, the New Year's Day weekend. I'm not exactly sure. I know it's gonna be available on MAV TV, Speed Fifty One, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If, if anybody gets that you're gonna love it because it's a really cool show we went down there for one race and it was so cool they have really interesting rules really cost effective like a set of six tires is 160 bucks
1: that's insane yeah but the tell tell everybody how those tires are graded and oh, what the deal t- is with them
0: what they do i might as well i mean we're already on the topic i might as well just go with it um But they take these tires off of uh, super late models down south because it's in South Carolina. They run, what, CRAs down there, stuff like that? Yeah. And uh, Ron Barfield owns Dillon Motor Speedway. And if you recognize the name, he ran trucks and and some other high-level NASCAR stuff back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I want to say. He bought Dillon Motor Speedway when it was, I think, abandoned, and he rebuilt it. But he created the Mid-Atlantic Street Stock Series. And they are basically sportsman cars, like, up here, but you something you'd see at Seacon, basically. Right. Like, a, you could run a three-link. You could run a nine-inch with a floater. You could run... And it's a crate motor division if you run... Oh, it's got two, two engine rules. You can run a crate motor or a built motor. Built motor runs a 350 CFM carb. Crate motor runs a 500, like a 4412. And you run headers. There's not really big header rules. And you run 10-inch tires. And the tires, like I said, they come off, like... CRA super late models are 10 inch wide. Imagine a sportsman with 10 inch wide tires grip for days. Oh, they're amazing, (laughs) but they're all used. He gets all the takeoffs for like free and he throws them all in a warehouse. And what they do is they go through all the tires with a tread depth gauge and they grade all the tires based on depth. You get a, a tire, B tire and a C tire. I think you get two A's, two B's and two C's for 160 bucks or 175 or something like that. Like the only cost that they get is basically grading cost and mounting cost, and it's so cool. I love watching those cars race. I got to bring something like that up here because you can take pass takeoffs and do it, and it would be super cost effective. It'd be a really cool show,
1: absolutely. And no one would complain about racing on the pass rubber,
0: right? Because we, I hate pass rubber. Sorry, pass your rubber sucks, you're <laughs> even worse than the tour. Um, anything else?
1: I think on that subject, that's about all I got.
0: All right, let's move on to uh, lap number two. Lap number two, we're going to touch on iRacing and online racing in general, video games, et cetera, their popularity, and what we think about it. So iRacing, I actually have a good person co-hosting for iRacing Talk, because you were, what, one of the beta testers early on, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I started iRacing back in 2008, Geez, I didn't even know it was around that long. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I think I was in the second wave of people that were allowed to do it in July of 2008. So that's why you got to know guys like Kevin Inorelli and all those like guys that I've raced my first
0: leagues with because he was part of that. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then I figure out he's actually part of like iRacing. And I'm like, oh, shit! <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't make this guy mad. He'll kick me off. But... We've noticed lately that iRacing has become not only increasingly popular, but also nationally popular. We see a lot of attention being drawn to online gaming and iRacing itself. I wouldn't necessarily... I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to say, iRacing is a simulation. It's like, no, it's it's just an incredibly accurate video game. Um, we see... Geez, what was it? NBCSN covered like a race live. Yeah, I think at it was the, end the, of the, year?
1: the peak, peak antifreeze iRacing Cup series or something like that. I think that's exactly it. But they covered their last race. What was it was a championship race. Yes.
0: Yeah. On what? Cable network tell or cable television. Right. NBCSN covered a live iRacing race. Yep. And I know it. it it really attracted a big f- uh fervor from the racing community at large because people were saying oh well if i knew i didn't have to leave my computer desk i would have been a racing champion <laughs> you know stuff like that oh i'm glad i spent th- tens of thousands of dollars on my racing career when i could have just sitting you know been sitting at my desk the whole time but it's like i wanted to kind of touch on what are yes <laughs> What are the pros and cons of iRacing? I mean, I get on there, and I I run the simulation, and I do, like, road course racing, and I do oval track racing. And to be honest, the driving theories that I put into it are applicable in real life. Now, I don't want to completely, like, be a downer, but without being able to feel the car, I don't really consider it to be... What you'd think of as real racing. Right. What would you think of it as?
1: For me, I use iRacing more as a training tool at this point in my life and my short racing career. Um,
0: but is it worth televising training tools? I don't think so. The problem is is I just I will completely contradict myself because I know that I'm wrong. There's money to be made in it.
1: Yes, I agree with that.
0: Right. There's money to be made. There's an there's a lot of people who want to watch it, and there's on iRacing. There's a lot of tracks that actually don't exist anymore, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a few of them. I mean, North Wilkesboro's g- coming up. They have Lakeland, yeah. We're going uh, to touch Florida.
0: on. We'll touch on North Wilkesboro in a minute. But. There's
1: a number of tracks that are on the service. Yeah, USA is gone. Yep, uh, Lanier, that just L- came back. Lanier's coming back, in, but for one race. I actually heard they may do more than just that one race. Well, this is people, kind of a tester to see if the interest is there. If people show up. Do right. they still have grandstands and stuff? Yes. The grandstands oh. at that track are built into a hill. Oh, okay. Very so similar to Seconk.
0: So it's like a Okay, so you just All right. That makes sense now. It makes sense. So yeah, um but I know I sound like an old man, but I've I came into racing before computer games were anything close to accurate. Right. I started my racing career as a crew member in 1999. There was nothing. <laughs> yeah. When did NASCAR... Oh, wait. NASCAR 2003 came out, obviously in 2003. Well, well we could actually like NASCAR go further NASCAR back. Racing, NASCAR Racing came out for
1: PC. 1994.
0: That was, Yeah, really early. From Papyrus. Yeah, yep. I had it. It wasn't realistic. I still have it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's
1: horrible looking back now, but back then it was great. Mm.
0: I had it, and I had a lot of fun playing it all the time. My dad had fun playing it all the time. I mean, it was a great game. Would I call it real? No. No. But like I said, there's there's always money to be had at something. And if iRacing brings people's attention to racing, then Good. But if it just brings people's attention to eye racing, then I don't think it's as good.
1: Right. Well, and I'll say I'll say this. I I'll correct myself and say that I don't believe that it shouldn't be on TV. I just don't think it should be put on the pedestal that it's put onto.
0: I don't know if it's really put on a huge pedestal. I think that these guys are and I know I'm every single time I open my mouth I contradict myself, but we have to again we have to play devil's advocate for everything. Right. These guys are elite in their group. Yes. Correct? If you put me as somebody who really sucks at racing, up against these guys who are racing the Peak Antifreeze Cup Series... You're getting lapped. I'm getting my ass kicked. Yep. Like, no joke. Same here. But how many of these guys in that series can you put in a real car... And get results out of
1: very, very few. I mean, I know
0: the guy who won the championship. I know he has legends car experience and some go karting experience, right? What's his name? Novak, right? Give him a little bit of credit.
1: Yeah, I can't remember if it's Nick or Chris or something. Zach, Zach that may be
0: it. Yes, yeah. At least I know his name. And if and I don't blame these guys one bit for going out and doing this because if someone was, how much money did he win
1: doing that? I think it was. $10,000 $10,000 possibly.
0: I think it was more than that. Was it? I think it was like thirty, Something like that. We're going to have to look that up. But if you said, hey, come play this computer game, and you can win five figures of money, do you think I'm going to turn it down?
1: No, absolutely Hell
0: not. Hell no. I'm going to go out there and race my ass off. I don't care if I'm sitting behind a computer desk. What's funny is that when I'm racing iRacing, as much as I like to crap on you know, the idea of it not being real. It still works me up enough yes that it feels like it's real. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the draw to it because I what's it thirty thousand? Forty. Forty thousand dollars. Novak. That's two thirds of my yearly salary. <laughs> about. <Good Lord. laughs> yeah, it is. It's about two thirds. I hate to give away my personal info, but it's I wouldn't turn that down. Good gravy! No, not um, at all. But I mean, if 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 it's out there and there's money to be made, I'm not going to blame them one bit to go out there and make it. Because I would do it.
1: Right, and I mean, there's no denying that these kids are good at what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I when I used to race in iRacing leagues and stuff, I raced with a guy actually raced on his team, raced for a guy named Ray Alfala. He's a multi-time Champion of this, been Homestead multiple times. I think he's won four of them. Yeah, it's too bad he didn't
0: with his four championships. I think he got paid as much as this kid got for one. Yeah, so it sucks to get in on the ground floor. (laughs) Sorry, Ray.
1: (laughs) He had he had a rough (laughs) year this year, but I think he came back and he he ran uh, another Pro Series championship and he actually won the title. So he redeemed himself on the year.
0: Well, that's fine. I mean, but like I said, I made a Facebook post I thought was kind of funny, and I said. Or no, it was a Twitter post. I'm sorry. I said, at 17 years old, these kids are going out and winning high-level gaming championships. And I still call it gaming because it is on a computer. Right. That's technically what it is. You can call it a simulation. I don't care. None of these guys... The guy won it without a simulator. He He wasn't out there with some hydraulically operated chair and, like, you know... Uh, virtual reality headset or nothing
1: like that. Yeah, he was sitting in his bedroom S- with his parents standing right behind him. Wa- yeah. I was watching the race, cracking was, up. Well, he
0: had like one monitor too, yeah. right? And he did it. But I said, these kids are out here at 17 years old saying, hey, we're going to make money being a, uh online racing champion. Right. Whereas us at 17, we're like, let's watch Bam Margera microwave a dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were older than 17, but I mean, it's, it's, it fits for a, right. lot of, a lot of the people. I mean, it's a generational thing.
1: Well, and I think my only hope for a lot of these kids, uh, and I mean, I could sit and rattle off half of their names because I've raced against a lot of them over the years, but I would like to see some of these guys get a chance, whether they work their butt off and buy their own car, or someone gives them a chance to get in a car and just try it.
0: Yeah, I would like to the see opportunity. A little bit, I'd like to see a little bit of an easier crossover from the virtual world into the regular world. Right. Because I want iRacing to be a stepping stone for people to get interested in the sport. Exactly. And, and it's basically like try before you buy. Yep. And you do it and then you jump into it and say, Now I'm doing it for real. Now I'm earning real money. I'm earning real trophies every single time I hit the racetrack. And like I said, I don't want it. I don't want iRacing to go out and say, "This is what we are." <laughs> I don't want iRacing to eclipse what real racing is, because without real racing, you don't have iRacing at all. The voice you hear in the background is my son, by the way. But. Again, I want it to be a try before you buy. I don't want it to eclipse it.
1: Well, and I think that's kind of what NASCAR is doing here is they, they see the opportunity for new eyes on the on the sport, and they're taking it, and they're running with it. Mm. And it's not a bad thing. Like I said, though. Any promotion is
0: good promotion.
1: Absolutely. I just as I don't agree with them titling these guys as NASCAR champions. And they barely talk about the local level racers. But these guys get so much more spotlight, it seems.
0: Yeah, they're sitting in their office. Again, this is the old man screaming at the cloud. Damn kids, they're sitting on their computers and getting all this attention, whereas we're in our garage every stinking night of the week, spending thousands of dollars on our dreams and going out and getting no attention. Right, and there's and the there, argument. This is, that's, that's what we're worried about, is we're worried about getting attention. And that's kind of sad.
1: Right, and there's the argument but that these kids are also spending countless hours on setups and working on that, but it's not, not the turning same. turning wrenches. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not physical activity. You don't wake up in the morning sore.
0: No. Like, when you're my age, I'm not an old man, but I've been in the game for 20 years. You know, I'm 36 years old. I still got a long career ahead of me. Right. But I've been doing it for 20 of those years. And it's like... When I lay on a concrete floor, it hurts. Yep. When I bench press a Muncie transmission without a jack into a car, that hurts. When
1: you drop the transmission on your chest. That hurts a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: ben, they've done that. I've not dropped a transmission on my chest. I've been actually very
0: good about it. I haven't cracked any fingers. Or, I dropped the rear end on my finger. That's what that scar came from. That yeah you, Yeah, your finger doesn't even work. mine still works but we're out there busting our ass again this is the old man talking we're busting our ass we're throwing wrenches at a car we're throwing a lot of money at a car too these guys are throwing 100 bucks a year at an iRacing racing subscription and some time sitting behind a computer screen.
1: Well, I will say this: There's guys that run the VR headsets—that's four hundred bucks. The direct drive wheels, that stuff's not expensive. The computers spend, themselves yeah.
0: cost almost as much as my damn there's, race. There's cars some sometimes. guys <laughs> that are spending
1: ten or fifteen thousand dollars on a rig, but then that's it. They don't yeah, have to fix it like us.
0: Mm. The only upkeep cost they would have is just to keep up their computer with the times. Right. Just upgrade to better different technology. video card.
1: Add a little memory here and there. And maybe upgrade.
0: Our dinosaur ass is going out there with a trailer that needs upkeep, with a truck that needs upkeep, with yep. a truck that needs fuel. We gotta pay an admission price. We gotta pay fuel for the race car. We gotta pay tune-ups for the race car. We gotta buy tires for it, and then we gotta go out there and we'll probably wreck the stupid thing because we suck. And then we bring the thing back. And the thing is junk. And then we got to pay for that to fix it. Whereas these kids, oh, I crashed. Reset button. And that's it.
1: And I mean, (laughs) I'm not talking bad on iRacing. No, I love iRacing. I've been doing it it for 11 years. And I love it. I still do it today. Everybody who likes racing should buy
0: iRacing. Absolutely. I'm not even kidding.
1: Like I said, it's a great training tool. When, When I ran Stafford in 2017, I hadn't run that track since 2012. I continuously just sat there for days and days before I raced and made lap after lap after lap after lap. And I showed up, and I was within a couple tenths right away.
0: Right, and then you figure out the setup of the, the specific car you're driving, and then you're good to go from right. then on out. I would do that every icebreaker. Like a month before the icebreaker, yep. I'd hop on the street stock setup, and I'd go run Thompson. Because yep. it's it's not exactly the same. They're like a second faster a little bit, like half a second faster. Right. But they're a little bit different car, so yeah, I would, a... I'd still go out and I'd still run different lines and I'd still try things and I'd go out for the icebreaker and there'd be no rust. I'd set fast time. Yep. Every time. I'm a hot lapper. I don't except really... when I was there. Right. <laughs> then I'd get my ass handed to me in hot laps.
1: <laughs> Practice doesn't win races.
0: Right, which is my story of my life. Yeah, well, I'm I'm living proof of that. But anyway. As we're talking about iRacing, news broke a couple weeks ago. Actually, they've been talking about it since the racing season was still going, about Dale Jr. trying to get iRacing to scan North Wilkesboro for prosper- or pros- sorry, posterity. That's the proper word. Right. I've heard a lot of other people screw it up, and I screwed it up. So, But he wants to scan it for posterity's sake and try to keep it around for the next generation. And I see them go out, and they actually follow through with it, which is pretty cool. I loved North Wilkesboro as a kid, watching the cup races there. Right. I loved Rockingham. Like, these were just unique tracks, which they really need on the schedule. NASCAR got, like, this is a discussion for a different time, but NASCAR got way too far away from having unique facilities. Right. Which really hurt them in the long run. In the short run, yeah, it brought NASCAR to new venues and new markets. But in the long run, it hurt them because they didn't have anything unique. Rockingham, North Wilkesboro, they're unique. North Wilkesboro, especially because I think, what, the turns are different radiuses and it's uphill one way and downhill the right, other way. Right, yeah. it's, it's, it's an elevation a, change going to the corners. It's a unique place. It's fun to run. But they scanned the racetrack, and I saw them out there with weed whackers. They were documenting everything on social media. And I can't help but think that it's all kind of unfortunate. You know, it, it really is. I just kind of find it a little bit sad. Because, yeah, they're scanning North Wilkesboro. Yeah, we're going to be able to use it on iRacing. But it's a really unfortunate tease. Because well, you sit there and you watch. If you're, if you're all over social media, you follow NASCAR on everything, if you're a fan. So you follow them on Instagram. What are they doing? They're posting videos of old races at North Wilkesboro. Right. Yeah, it's getting a lot of news. It's getting a lot of attention. Dale Jr. is bringing a lot of attention to it. He's working personally at getting the track cleaned off, and it looks fantastic. It looks oh, like you could actually take a race car and throw it on the racetrack, and it's going to go like without any issue. It's a huge tease. You know damn well. If NASCAR was going to do anything with that facility, they would have done it by now.
1: I will say this. I follow Save the Speedway on Twitter. Great,
0: great Twitter follow. I followed them for about two days, and I'm like, I can't follow them anymore because <laughs> they talk.
1: The guy they, who runs it is very interactive. I he's, like He's guy. very transparent. But I saw something... I saw something about a week ago, right after Dale Jr. Uh, did all of this, and there was a discussion being had about how they're bringing back Lanier, uh, and which is another really cool with track. the Southern Super Series. Yeah, good for them, though. You know, I like that. And Bob Dillner from Speed Fifty One chimed in, and, and people were talking about how about we get the Southern Super Series to North Wilkesboro? It'd be a great addition. Which. It would, absolutely.
0: Now, Bob Dillner has
1: something to do with
0: the Southern Super Series, doesn't
1: he? I believe so. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, we'd have
0: to look into that. I thought he had some sort of a board position with the Southern Super Series. I, I would have to really look into it. I'm not going to say for sure that he has something on there, though.
1: But he made a comment about if North Wilkesboro was going to be added to the schedule, it would have to be in 2021,
0: Oh, which really... Because they've already set the schedule for 2020.
1: Yeah, but it kind of got me thinking maybe there was an ulterior motive here. Maybe they wanted to clean the track off and see how bad it really was.
0: Maybe it was some sort of like secret mission to go in there and say, hey, this is a good excuse for us to go in to this facility, have massive amounts of people there, a lot of cameras, a lot of documentation, and go in and say, "Hey, what's the actual condition of this place? Can we actually hold races here?" And it's a really it's a really good idea, but will they actually pull through with it?
1: I think if you brought that track back on a weekly racing level because there's two tracks within about an hour hickory and I forget the other name of the other one right now, but there's another track right down the road. They're all within about an hour of each other, kind of like here in Southern Connecticut. An hour was,
0: is an easy drive, to be honest. Absolutely, hell, two hours is almost easy.
1: And if they you're have used enough to driving. <laughs> yeah, th- there's enough racer racers around that area. I mean, we're in North Carolina there, so it's racing country there. I think they could get a weekly, even if it was just a ten or fifteen race schedule, special events, something. Get something going and then diversify the property. Do fairs, flea markets, car shows, concerts, stuff like that. The community would absolutely get behind it because since the industry, the textiles and everything has left North Wilkesboro and then the Speedway disappeared, that area has been struggling. The economy tanked the instant,
0: literally the instant that Speedway got shut down.
1: And I think if you get the right people behind it and, like I said, diversify the property, multi-purpose, you do all the right things and that place will succeed. Yeah. The problem is, is again, I was calling it a real negative
0: tease earlier. My problem is, is NASCAR itself is going through and putting up videos of, oh, look at retro, North Wilkesboro, retro this, retro that. What are you going to do about it? You're not going to do anything. You haven't done anything in 15 years. I'm right. being a negative person about it, but since the Smiths assumed ownership, they have ownership of that track still, right?
1: Yes, and their price right. tag is ridiculous. Yeah,
0: they put an insane price tag on the track. How much is million. it? $12 million. $12 million. That was that the track. last I knew it was $12 million. And it's a pile of crap right now.
1: I wouldn't say it's a pile of crap. I okay, was there in was 2017.
0: Okay, that was pretty mean. That, it's not a pile of crap. It's still very viable. Yeah, I stopped but,
1: there in 2017, and there's a couple buildings that could probably use to be torn down. But I mean, the you grandstands look at, are still usable and everything. The
0: property values in that area are nowhere even near as much as that. No. Hell, even the speed bowl in Waterford is what three million? I
1: think it went yeah, three point four. I believe it three, was so three was the final and a half number. Yeah, three and a
0: half million. So for them to put... What was the price there again?
1: $12 million for 12, North <laughs> Wilkesboro.
0: $12 million. And it's how big? Five-eighths of a mile?
1: Five-eighths mile. I think it's got 12 degrees of banking. For $12 million? $12 million. Oof. I don't know. How I, much I parking honestly, do they have out there? What's the acreage? I don't know what the acreage of the area is. I do know that a lot of the parking was local farms. Now and getting, that may be another problem they'd have to deal with. Now I'm getting into real estate. <laughs> So it would, at this
0: point, it would almost only really survive as a weekly show, like a weekly series track, they like could, like Bowman Gray.
1: They could do weekly shows, get some regional stuff in there, Arca East. They could easily get Arca East. They could easily get CRA or
0: Southern Super Series. They could get the trucks there. They could easily get the trucks there.
1: I don't think they could do more than the trucks.
0: I guarantee the farmers would easily make a lot of money on selling parking spots in their empty fields.
1: Hell yeah. I would pay 10 bucks to go down there. (laughs) That place still holds something like 40,000 people too. Yeah, even with the, the stuff that's falling
0: down. Right. And you could easily replace that. There's what two buildings? It's two uh, two buildings and two
1: scoring towers in the corner, right? They've already taken down all the grandstands that were wooden, that were really outdated and worn out. You could replace that easy though. Yeah, that's easy. That's easy work. I think in its heyday, it's that place bolts. held sixty-five
0: thousand. I think it's about that much, and I remember watching the last race there and seeing people standing. But NASCAR's was excuse
1: it. was they don't have attendance. Oh, they don't have attendance.
0: Yeah. Every, the place was packed. Yeah, the place was packed every single time they went there. Watch the videos. Go back on YouTube, watch all the videos. They're packed. They're packed every single time. So I'm not buying it. But again, when you put an, a, a just a ridiculous price tag on the property and you don't want to actually hold races there, but you still dangle the idea that NASCAR is still interested in the facility on social media in front of people, it's rude. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) I just don't like it.
1: Part of me wants to hope that with all of these schedule changes they're talking about and talking about more short tracks and all that, part of me wants to hope that maybe they have something in mind, but I'm not going to hold out hope for that. As much as
0: I want them to come back, I don't see it happening because I'm a realist. Right. And that's the saddest viewpoint I could possibly think of. Anything else to do with iRacing? No. Because we totally went off on a tangent about North Wilkesboro. It's all good. (laughs) For lap number three, I'm going to touch on a social media topic that I've been kind of floating around for a little while, race car raffles. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's people who sell their cars on the internet, basically on Facebook or whatever post. Usually it's Facebook. I haven't seen it anywhere else, where they take their car and essentially they sell raffle tickets even though it's basically virtual raffle tickets for a set amount of money and they sell them to a certain amount of people like they have a set number and then eventually they have a draw date and this is all supposedly supposedly have the draw date and then they give the car away to somebody who purchased a ticket either they give them the money through facebook or i don't even know how they even get the money I mean, do you have any idea how they get the money? Because I don't know.
1: They probably do it through a PayPal or something.
0: Like a PayPal transaction or something? Right. Okay, so the latest one I saw was, hey, you could own this race car for $50. I'm not going to name names. No names are going to be mentioned in this at all. Right. You know who you are. But $50, you can buy a ticket, and you can own this race car. And I'm like, at no time have I seen – and I've seen a bunch of these – I've seen a lot of people trying to raffle off, and I put that in giant air quotes, their race cars online. I've never, ever seen someone take possession of that car. Right. Has anybody else seen it? No. No. And the only reason that they do this is because they know that their car is either trash or they're not going to get the money that they want for it, so they sell off a raffle ticket for a certain small amount of money, 50 a 100 bucks, something like that. And they sell off enough of those tickets, virtual tickets, that they get either what they want or more than what they want for the car. Now, my question is, what's the actual legality of this? What's the tax implications on this? Because if you're not a... a what is it? You got to be a non or you got to be like there's some... There's some real ramifications behind selling raffle tickets like this. Like, there's some certain real legal issues behind this. And, like... I actually know the answer. You have to you register know the answer. with the state. You have because, to register with yeah, the state. Yeah, looked into this for the Historical Society, and it is, you have to register with the state, you have to register with the town that this raffle takes place in, with all the li- rules clearly uh, posted somewhere. I think you have to uh, publicize the winner... And, uh, I'm not sure about the tax implications on that because the historical society is a nonprofit, but, um, so for them to be trying to raffle cars off online, I hate to be a real stick in the mud, but yeah, it's probably illegal. Number one. And number two, again, I think it's kind of, even though I, I know some of the people who've done this, I still kind of think of it as being kind of a scam. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's really clever. It's a clever idea. It's not a question of if you get in trouble. It's the people who eventually buy tickets and take possession of the the whatever. If you even take possession of it, what are they going to get in trouble for?
1: Well, in all reality, too, the reason that most people sell their race cars is to upgrade to something better because what they have is outdated. Like my car. (laughs) Yours still runs up front.
0: Right. I I look at I look at my hot lap times cuz that's the only thing I'm good at and I see that it's pretty fast but <laughs> No, uh, like I said, what's the what's the ramifications of somebody getting caught by this? You like lose your I money would and love, your car. Yeah, I would love to know if you get caught by somebody with some kind of authority for taxes or legal purposes, what's going to happen to you? Like, that's that's my main concern. And plus, like I said, if you can't sell your race car, it either sucks or you're asking too much for it.
1: Right. If you have a good piece of equipment, someone's going to want to buy it.
0: I have a really good piece of equipment. And even though I'm, I know as a realist, I'm not going to get what I want for it. Right. Because I'm a realist. I had a mini stock that was straight. And I sold that thing for nothing because it didn't have the history behind it. To sell that car, if it was a championship-winning, race-winning car, that brings a lot of money to the equation, that right. bring, or a lot of value, I should say.
1: But I didn't raffle it off. I didn't a lot say, of people thought I was crazy for what I asked for my car when I sold it. Right, but it won races. I got all twelve thousand dollars I asked. Right, and I'm I I probably would be called crazy for
0: asking less than that yeah but i would probably ask a lot for mine
1: but it's only worth as much as someone is willing to pay is really what it comes down to but my car has won
0: races it's finished on the podium and points at least three times in a four or five year span actually no a four year span for people to be raffling off cars i it's not i'm not completely crapping on the idea it's a clever idea
1: but it's just, I just can't, bu- I'm not buying into it. I'm not going there. The only the only problem I have with it is, like you said, I wonder what the legal ramifications are and if these people that are doing it are actually taking the steps to make sure it's legitimate. I'm very curious as to the legal ramifications of it. Because like I said... If there are any at all. I think there's only been,
0: and I've seen a whole host of them, a huge like handful of cars up for raffle and i put that in air quotes and i've only ever heard of one instance where that car got delivered because they actually said look we're actually legit they took video of them calling the winner and then delivering the car to them so i'm like okay well that was the only one but if you only have one instance of it being legitimate what are you going to do with all the rest of the ideas right you know what i mean you have to follow by example. If I'm going to sell my race car, I'm just going to put a price on it. I'm not going to drag people through this this weird idea. I'm not going to go for it.
1: See, the raf- the whole raffle idea, I don't mind it for businesses that'll provide you a service. Right. But for selling a race car, I just don't think it's the way to do it.
0: No, that's like I said, it's a clever idea. It's just not a very legal idea. And I'm I'm the most freedom-loving person in the world, but when you don't see people taking or taking possession of the cars that they've supposedly paid for, right. it raises a lot of red flags for me. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna go down that road. Anything else? No. no. All right, let's close this thing out. All right, that is our show for this week. I hope you all enjoyed it, and yeah, definitely uh, having a, a co-host really brought out a lot more topics and having. <laughs> Instead of having me talk to myself for uh, 20 to 40 minutes, which would be really boring. I I actually appreciate it. Thank you, Phil, for coming up. Appreciate it.
1: Not a problem. Anytime. Um, If anybody hasn't
0: heard the Stafford Speedway podcast, what's it called? The Bottom Shot podcast? Yes, I believe so. I'm going to plug it for them uh, because I gave them a bunch of crap on Twitter about them releasing my podcast and their podcast at the same time. And I said, you know, if if people are only listening to one podcast and they're really kind of defeating the purpose of podcasts, they should be something that you listen to 20 of. Right. You know? Absolutely. So I think there's one called The Five Minute Clock with Ruchi Pillai And uh, yep. I can't remember his name. I really hate that I forgot his name because now I feel like a dick. Like, there's all sorts of local podcasts out there. There used to be another one with two guys. I forgot their names. They used to do it. It was really funny. But now they're not doing it anymore. Like I said, you could you should follow everyone that you can, especially if you got a job like me where I'm sitting on a, in a truck for four hours a day and I'm listening to them. But I know not everybody has that. But if you sit down and watch TV, you can listen to a podcast. Trust right. me. But anyway, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can dial us up at. Uh, you can hit me up. I'm gonna start making a page for this podcast very soon uh, because let's be let's face it i haven't quit yet it's we're three episodes in and it's only getting better i've already invested in the, in the uh, podcast with new microphones and soundboards and stuff so you can hit me up at brent gleason zero one uh on twitter and instagram uh if you friend me on facebook whatever i don't care i'll, I'll try to friend everybody that i can
1: at this <laughs> point just to try to get the podcast out there and phil where are you available at uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, P-J-A-C-Q-U-E-S Racing. That's both on Twitter and Instagram, right? Facebook as well. Oh, Facebook
0: as well. Yeah. And if you want, hit me up on uh, on Facebook. Go to my team page. Go to com. I usually post a blog post during racing season, but since I'm taking time off of racing, it's going to be kind of boring over there. Maybe you can go back and look through all the other posts. I know we've we've touched on a lot of really touchy subjects, uh, but like I said, I wanted to end on a high note, plugging other people's stuff, having a good joke. You have anything else to add? I mean, at this point, I'm kind of talked out. My voice is kind of giving away. No, I'm had a great time. Glad to be here, and thanks for having me. Like, comment, subscribe. See if you want Phil to come back on. But until probably not. <laughs> no, we need. I need like. I need people to come back on soon. Hopefully, I will be having the ability to have phone conversations and and interviews. I've got the equipment coming. But until next time, keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence.